I think the best episodes we have generally start with food because it's what brings people together. So I got two for you. The first one, let me send you a link. Okay. It's in Slack. Mm, okay. So you have, to, you have to click through though. Okay. So I'm on some website, tw- twitter.com. Never heard of it. I think it's owned by a really nice guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the Food Network on Instagram that has a gold, uh, a gold check mark. I wonder what that means. Uh, so they ask, uh, in all lowercase, is it acceptable to put ketchup on any of these foods? And I don't. I, th- I think we have. We both like good food, but I think we have established, uh, or it's, it's well documented over the past couple hundred episodes. We have very different takes on food. Yes. So I think this will not. This won't be a harmonious discussion. Probably. So not. I no. So I'll give the correct take, but then you can give the the, the wrong. Um, one. Yeah, the more interesting one, but the, the definitely more wrong one. <laughs> okay. So this, so in uh, this, this is <laughs> this is like the apple quadrant. Wait, so which one? Which one's consumer? Which one's pro? And which one's? <laughs> so, so the 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 eggs are nice. The eggs are the are, are the MacBook of this. Okay. Mm-hmm. So starting from the uh, upper uh, from the top left, we have a a very plain hot dog. We have very. <laughs> this looks like oh man does food network just cater to five-year-olds i was gonna because say this little look... kid little kids pasta yeah definitely no no because this is also uh are you a john mulaney fan name... or you don't have enough exposure to him to really have an opinion name sounds familiar he's a chicago-based comedian and he's he, he's very good at stand-up and he's very funny okay anyway he had he had a thing he had a a, a kind of like this weird not weird but like this kid's special it was kind of a one-off and there's a kid on it who sings um about his favorite food which is uh, a little bit of noodles with butter anyway it's it's very it's it's funnier when you listen to it sung but so yeah so this is basically a a, a triptych or a, a quadrant of um kids food so we have a very sad looking hot dog we have a plate of entirely plain noodles then we have the classically wrong interpretation of a grilled cheese like this is this is the bad grilled cheese and then we have what maybe some scrambled eggs that martha stewart whipped up in a breville barista express yep uh listen uh, long time listeners of the show will yeah, will appreciate that deep, reference deep cut yeah so again the initial question is is it acceptable to put ketchup on any of these foods what say you yes which ones the hot dog and the eggs care to elaborate i'm not gonna get super offended if you put ketchup on a grilled cheese i i've never i've never tried that but if if that option was presented to me i i would i would try it ketchup on on pasta is um a step too far i, I can't get behind that but the the ones that I'm I'm personally behind are the are the hot dog and the the eggs. Hmm. So unfortunately, that is the wrong answer. Mm-hmm. Um, ketchup is a condiment that shouldn't exist and should not be put on any foods, because as people will know, ketchup is just tomatoes and Alexa, stop. Uh, it's <laughs> sorry. See, Alexa knows I'm right. Uh-oh, I think I, um, I might have just set mine off, too. Cancel. All right, there we go. Um, ketchup is just tomatoes and sugar. And and lots, lots of sugar, yeah. Yeah, so one, it's not it's not healthy. No. Um, 
and also any food this what's my i used to wait i had a, i used to have a food take what was it hey just just one yeah <laughs> um french fries are oh, good no it was something if you need to add something to something it's not worth eating what that does sound like something you've said in the past oh man i'm so mad that i don't remember this but anyway any food that you have to add ketchup Was, to, wasn't it ketchup just ketchup and fries i thought you i think you had a whole bit about if you oh maybe to, that is it i think that is it yeah if you have to put ketchup on fries you, you blew it as that was the quote right no that that was steve jobs in a, <laughs> I, in a I, I love when you explain my jokes thanks make some make some funnier <laughs> also sometimes you accidentally make jokes um oh how dare you <laughs> no it what that wasn't it if you have to add shit, okay. Anyway, I don't think you had some catchy line. I think that was just no. I did. Was your, it, it, it was it was very very punchy. In that, if you have to add something to something, well, it, was, uh, it was super memorable. Fuck. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so catch up. It's too bad we so, don't record these. You know, you can't can't go. Yeah, back but but I, I I don't I don't write actually good show notes. I write funny show notes. So therefore, it's impossible to search for an old episode. It, I'll, anyway. You know, I'm going to give you a um, a rainy day activity. Figure out um, <laughs> how we can run all of our shows through that. Um, that was it called did. Whisper. Did you do I that? Did and I didn't want to pay for it. Well, no, because I used to run them through a thing called Otter.ai, but they have a thing where like every it's you pay by the hour and unfortunately we talk a lot so we therefore do. it ended up being much more costly than i wanted to for a project that makes us no money <laughs> it's fair actually costs us money costs you money actually i think you have the most direct financial investment i do i just have i just have time and creative investment which is, is priceless you can say so. how, how can you put a price on that exactly so anyway but no so a few things so yeah if so scrambled eggs if you have to add anything other than a little bit of pepper and salt to it and maybe a tiny bit of cheese if you're feeling uh, a little shameful like that's that's all you got to do to it ketchup shouldn't be on that hot dogs similarly the only thing that should go on a hot dog is if it's a spicy link hot dog maybe a little bit of barbecue sauce or some baseball mustard just some standard yellow mustard relish and ketchup can take a hike Mustard, I can get behind. I can't say I've ever had barbecue sauce. Ooh, if you get yourself like a nice like Louisiana hot link, or also back when uh, Costco, because they no longer do the Polish hot dog, do they? It's now just a standard. I they used to have a secondary option. I try and avoid the food court when I'm at Costco because well, it's just because you you know you're going to take home two chicken bakes. (laughs) Do they still have chicken bakes? I, I know they I, I, still. Um, I know they still have the frozen ones because we we for some reason brought those up somewhat recently. And the last time I was at Costco, I I saw a box of those and thought about sending you a picture. Someone was telling me recently that I guess Costco the last few years, or maybe this is a little longer ago than that, had been expanding their menu, which historically had been you know really just a couple of things like pizza, hot dog, ice cream. But I guess now they've gone back to just the the simple menu again. So I I don't know if the, I don't know where the chicken bake falls into that. I don't know if that's part well, of the, the simple menu or if that was part of their experimental period. The kitchen bake has been a pretty durable fixture of that menu because the, the, otherwise the, the it, kitchen bake you called it that's that would be that'd be a good name for it too. <laughs> Wait, did I say kitchen? bake? I think you did. Yeah, no, I'm. I'm as, that, it's a better name than chicken bake. As we've said, I'm very tired. Um. 
so no i do think it was originally if you're eating fries if you're if you're eating fries that need ketchup you're eating the wrong fries i think that was it something like that you should you should workshop that though it's not very catchy there was a better version of that um but i can't remember it anyway so but then so going back to this thing um i've had like a, a planted flag for a very, very long time about what grilled cheese is and what grilled cheese is. And I think it's kind of like a, of like a, a Rorschach test when you're meeting somebody and you're trying to, to, to learn about them is that you just ask them like what they think a classic grilled cheese is. And if the answer is like Wonder Bread and Kraft Singles, which kind of looks like this is, that's a, that's a, that's a red flag as the kids say. So I, I this, this, sure, lather it and catch up because you're already eating Kraft Singles. So go for it. It's a bit of an inside baseball comment, but the grilled cheese is giving off big late night DLG vibes. Well, no, that that was always you go there for. Oh, did I never? I, I we may have talked about this, but I, I I did diligent work to try to recreate the or to elevate the um very sad chicken sandwich that they would have there. That they had, like, sounds very, vaguely familiar. Yeah, it's it's on the washing machine website, but uh, but I'll, oh, I'll dig it up okay. later. Okay. Anyway, this grilled cheese is disgusting. So yeah, again, go for it. lather, slather, and ketchup. Just just dunk it. Like I mean, yeah, just why why not? Uh, make <laughs> make it look like a crime scene. Who cares? Um, and uh, the pasta. I get like I, I don't actually think that's a bridge too far because like what is pasta sauce if 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 not better ketchup? But it's, it's fair. again, ketchup ketchup's gross. It's fair. Um, but yeah, hot dogs. Do you do you have strong do you have opinions on hot dogs? I like don't, some people no. some people well no just some people think that it's like bargain basement like that it's not legitimate food. Well, I, I, mean, I don't, those, those, like, people, I, those people are wrong. Hot dogs are great. Yeah, they're they're, they're elitist. I mean like that's I, I think like a good hot dog is very similar with a corn dog. Like if a well done or a, a nice corn dog is very is a very interesting food concept. Yeah, my my uh, opinion it, my opinion on hot dogs is that they're good. Well, yeah, because you grew up in Orange County with uh, very ample um, proximity to both Costco's and uh, Wiener Schnitzels. I don't think I've ever been to a Wiener Schnitzel. Got to be honest. What? I know there was one oh, pretty close to close to like our yeah. middle school, right? Yeah, but I am um, opsec opsec opsec. Yeah, because <laughs> you know, or there's there's definitely only one one middle school that has a Wiener Schnitzel close to it in Orange County. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, I don't don't think I've ever been. If I'm if I'm honest, I don't think I've been to a Wiener Schnitzel. I don't think I've been to an Arby's. I think I've maybe been to <laughs> Wendy's one time. I think I went. Speaking of UCSB, I think I went to the one in the USEN, um like one time or something. I mean, was there look, a Wendy's there? There was at, at one point. I don't know if it was there all four years we were there, but definitely when we were freshmen, there was one there. Mm. Um. I mean, we, you know, don't get me wrong. We ate a lot of fast food uh, as a family growing up, but we would always kind of go to the same, same places. And Wiener Central was not one of them. You were a Del Taco in and out family? Uh, Del Taco was a divisive topic in the family because the other three members of my family really liked it. I did not. I was much mm. more of a Taco Bell person. Um, well, again, that we, mm-hmm. which, which I know you don't agree with. That's fine. Um, no, we were, but we were primarily a, a lot of Carl's Jr., a um, lot of McDonald's, and a fair amount of Burger King. Those were kind of the three, you know, burger fast food places. 
and then we were a um pizza hut pizza uh, pizza family for a while um and then kind of switched over to domino's at some point um and then if we were feeling really fancy we'd go to a place what was it called like rubio's or something there was like another no, pizza. That, that, was, that was that was a Me- that was a mexican place you're thinking of you're thinking of rubinos or something maybe yeah well something. the thing is did you ever play sports as a kid because uh lamppost pizza lamppost pizza is yeah. where you went after uh your little league game which i did not play that but that but wasn't I'm that very... pl- that was place was called a couple different things though right it was lamppost pizza you're right i thought it was something it was like home run pizza or something before that I have no idea, but I remember like eight months ago, I Googled this and it still does exist. Really? Oh, no, no. I, I, w- I was in Irvine like two years ago and I, there was, there's a chain called Paris Baguette for baked goods that is, you, you can, you can definitely do worse. I, I appreciate that they exist, uh, but no, right next to it um, in like old town Irvine, like not the part that's owned by the Irvine company. Uh, yeah, there was a lamppost pizza. I was like, holy shit, I haven't thought about that in 20 years. I'm yeah. well. I'm I'm super distracted now. So I'm actually I'm going on Google Maps, looking at, God, everything. I don't know if you notice this too, but every time you go to Orange County now, like everything looks so different than like how you remember it. Because like you know, shopping centers have been updated and like redone and stuff. Well, are you looking at the one that's in Ladera Ranch? Oh, uh, you know the the the, the that one doesn't count. The the one that we're thinking of, the one that was closest to where you and I lived, Google Maps says is permanently closed. Yeah. But there's evidently... It's what? Apparently the one in Ladera Rent is now a Burger King. Anyway. Got it. All right. In editing, I'm going to make you flip this and we're going to talk about the... <laughs> yeah, I know. We'll, we'll fix... Yeah, we'll, we'll fix all this. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll make this interesting in post. De- definitely. Um, yeah. I'm actually dead serious. You probably should flip this. So we're, we're going to... Uh, so, okay. So anyway, ketchup's gross. Uh, those are four things that should not have ketchup on them. Also, these are probably the four blandest foods. And I appreciate like just like the pure sterile photography that like if they could have thought of the most unappealing way to photograph these foods, like this is this is a very sad hot dog. Good lighting, though. No, this this is like eBay auction lighting. Hmm. Well, I, I know it doesn't meet your fancy standards. Sorry. Oh, and look look at all these blue checks in the in the replies. Oh, they they're all getting their Twitter blue. Um, okay, I'm, I'm, actually, clo- I'm closing that link, and I hope I don't have to open another Twitter link again. No, no. So again, so again, we're gonna we're gonna put we're gonna put a a point there. I'm gonna I'm gonna make you flip this. There's gonna be two openers, but the the good one's gonna go first. All right. So the other half of this is sorry, clean edit point. Oh yeah. The better half of the better half of this is there's a podcast that I think I may have made a chef special recently. Have I talked about a podcast called The Sporkful? Maybe makes me think of Wally. I I don't know if you've I can't can't remember if you mentioned that or not. Well, it's a good podcast. Uh, it's it's one of those not it's not a branded podcast, but it's one of those. It's made by Stitcher. I mean, whatever. But it's actually it's actually good. Um, and on a recent episode, they the very end of it was it was kind of like a call. It was it was like a, a listener feedback episode, and they had somebody call in with a question. It was and he was a friend of the hosts, and they brought up something related to your beloved Chipotle, my not so beloved Chipotle, mm. um, that I found interesting that i maybe i don't have the context to know or have a strong opinion about this but i feel like you might so when you, when you go to chipotle do you get a burrito or a bowl most of the time a bowl and if i'm feeling okay so, so feeling, you're feeling frisky i'll get a burrito frisky. uh so you're uniquely qualified to answer this so the question <laughs> i actually have the, the one thing i like is they actually have transcripts of their episodes so um 
Well, they actually this, yeah they actually shell out for the the transcript hush, stuff. Hush, hush. Okay, if you want to get if you want if you can do get some a biz dev person to get a brand deal and we can do a HelloFresh spot in the middle of this, <laughs> I'm 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 fine with that. All right, so the quote is, and this is going to have some extra stuff that's probably not relevant here. So, uh, quote, this dispute stems from savage, beastly, downright shameful and disgusting behavior related to eating a Chipotle bowl. Is it correct to eat a Chipotle bowl left to right? Or should you, and again, this is editorializing from the person asking the question, or should you, like a child sociopath, my partner, mix up the bowl, destroying all of its flavor to create something like a brothless Chipotle soup? (laughs) Thank you for ultimately agreeing with me. Uh, and end quote. So, I whenever because my 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 uh proximity and, and understanding of Chipotle is only when it's brought in as like a catered thing, and I do generally just get like the pork or barbacoa bowl because it again it it's just carbs and meat and it's it all it all tastes equally bland so it's 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 fine. I honestly have not had it in a few years where I didn't know so so again so further down in the episode somebody was explaining this so um the host says quote so just to make clear what the question is when you get a chipotle bowl they have a bowl they put down a bed of rice and then as you order chicken beans salsa whatever it may be they put those into clumps kind of all right next to each other i didn't remember this or was unaware of this but apparently that's the case so do you I, I immediately knew what I would do or what I do. So do you eat it as is and kind of you compartmentalize and you keep the flavors separate or apparently as a question asker frames it, uh, do you like a child sociopath mix up the bowl? I'm actually going to give you a third thing, which is what I do, which well, is you eat it with chips. I eat it with chips, but do you mix and it? I would say that I, I'm I, I sort of I guess like I, I'm not I, I guess I, I don't go into it with like a conscious strategy as to what I'm gonna do I guess I, like if I think about it it's it probably is a little more like on the car- compartmentalized side of the spectrum but that there's some mixing that probably happens as I'm you know going through the bag of chips eating it but no, but no, I, I guess I don't, you know, I don't sit there like before I start to eat and like take a, you know, a, a spoon or something and like mix it all together. I don't, I don't do that. So I don't think there's necessarily a wrong way to do it. I do think I'm not like mixing it like, um, like, like it's like a, like a pastry recipe. Like I'm not throwing the the burrito bowl in the in, in my KitchenAid stand mixer but like i i do you, you mix it together it's it's like it's like an egg scramble you kind of you you mix up the flavors so that you get uniform bites and that was the, those were the differing opinions of the people on the show which is that a lot of people thought that yeah you kind of eat it as is and you just kind of one bite is mostly whatever and like i i do think that it's nice to have that level of consistency where where every bite is mostly the same and apparently some people take uh take umbrage with the the sameness but i i I do think that's a a safer way to live yeah i can't say similar to hot dogs i can't i can't say i have real strong opinions there yeah so the other bit about this and again strongly recommend people listen to this podcast it's it's a so the the premise of this podcast is that they market themselves as a food or sorry uh, as a podcast for eaters 
not foodies. And like they they do talk about like kind of everything from very um like everyday pedestrian food to very like uh elevated or fancy or fussy food. Um but like it was very funny the way that they mentioned this. And so the person who asked the question was apparently engaged to one of the people on the show. And then the host asked, are they serving Chipotle at the wedding? And I actually thought that's a very interesting concept. In terms of catering, like you, I, I think most people, most guests, if you weren't going for like a high class thing, would actually not be upset with that. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be mad. If I show up to a wedding yeah. and there's, there's a buffet of Chipotle, sign me up. I'm yeah. In. Or alternatively, you, if you know anybody getting married in the next couple of years, you just rent out the Novato Chipotle, mm-hmm. and you just get, you get married there, and just kind of why not Chipotle Cantina? Set up, let's, let's set up the ceremony through the the, the big drive through thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm into it. Still, yeah. haven't, still haven't been to that one. Yeah, I drove past it. I saw I saw the Chipotle. I'm whatever. Chipotle. I do think mm-hmm. I do think for science, I do need to go to Chipotle just to understand to make sure that my um disdain for it is well placed and again my my main complaint is just that it's a bad value that it's not inexpensive and it's profoundly so profoundly mediocre that's like if it it was cheaper all all for it but kind of pricey all right so the episode in question is called are you eating chipotle bowls wrong and again the podcast is called the sporkful follow-up all right Tesla, uh, I mean, so Tesla, I think this quarter has been eclipsed by GM and a lot of the other automakers. Um, and they are now, I think, in fourth place in terms of EV shipments is accurate. Um, wait, say, say that, say that again. So, I mean, I've been reading like, so Tesla had a really bad quarter uh, where they missed uh, total shipments and uh according uh to axios tesla's dominance is fading so i think they're now in the u.s like in fourth place in terms of total cars shipped and sold right oh it, 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 you're doing the sarcasm thing is that why i was having a hard time following yes i'm I'm doing okay. a sarcasm okay yes. got got it okay now I'm, I'm i'm picking up what you're putting down now anyway so the yeah there's this axios piece about kind of a tesla's market share shifting also, I appreciate that. So, so do you have this Axios link up? I do. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So, the Model Three has, in terms of total shipments uh, year over year, the Model Three in terms of U.S. sales has gone from thirty point seven percent to nineteen point four percent. The Chevy Bolt is gone from uh, a tenth of a percent to nine point seven percent. But on GM's earnings call today, they announced that they're discontinuing the yep. Bolt EV and EUV because mm-hmm. they've they've changed their battery platform. Uh, so, good goodbye that anyway i I only bring this up because we've talked at length about um or it's mostly your hobby horse that that people act like tesla is rapidly declining and everybody else is there's there's so much competition and everybody else is running circles around them and the only reason anybody bought a tesla is because it was the only option but when you look at it in in terms of raw shipments even though in marin and the Bay Area, it may look like there's a lot of Rivians on the road. Uh, they are on track to ship, I think, was it a total of like 55,000 cars for the entire year? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Anyway, so we'll have two links in the show notes related to 
Tesla. But the one thing is that they, uh, a week ago or two weeks ago, right before the most recent earnings call, they did yet another round of price cuts on their cars. So like they are like, it is incorrect to say that they are not feeling the competitive pressure and they are the, the price of their cars is reflecting that. So quite interesting. Yeah. No, I mean, totally like the, the bare case for Tesla would be that what this Axios article is pointing out is what's just going to continue to happen over the coming years but you know also as this axios article points out you know it, it's something like uh what, what's their stat here seven percent of new vehicle registrations in the u.s um in january of this year were evs and that's that's new vehicle registrations which is you know new vehicles are only a fraction of total vehicle sales in in a year so point being, it's still so early days on the EV market. So to assume that, you know, what we're seeing from that relatively small sample size in terms of these market share changes, you know, year over year are going to continue in perpetuity is, is a, that's a, that's an awful big assumption. Eh, I, hmm. I actually think the way that you framed that is actually very interesting and, and, and a good lens to look at it through but i actually do think that makes sense which is that 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 means that is to imply that tesla's lead is absolutely not insurmountable that if the trends continue like it it, it does kind of mean that they are in maybe possibly a precarious position because I, I do think most people acknowledge well one there's the brand hit that elmo and, and his twitter distraction and all that other stuff has caused and i and i do legitimately think that is real. Like I, I personally would have bought a Tesla vehicle if it were not for his bullshit over the past year. But I think like for a lot of people, like it's just that constant, like the one thing that, the, that I would kind of bring up and it's not comparable at all, but it's, it's just kind of like Apple pay adoption where, yeah, like the other things have existed, but like, if you just keep iterating, eventually you just get that momentum and other people will in five years time, it will not be nearly as lopsided because I don't think most people have that much brand affinity. And I do think there's a blandness and sameness to Tesla's current lineup that would cause other people to want to look elsewhere. So I do, I do think the trends are interesting, but it's any type of suggestion that at this present point, things are, rapidly shifting and somehow tesla is losing their footing is, is absolute horseshit like they like not in terms it's it's the thing about there being many other alternatives now but in terms of the question of like are they shipping in, in mass quantities or are they easy to get or are they, like there, there's a lot of what ifs there but there are more options but if you look at it actually in terms of what matters which is unit sales and unit numbers that that's the part where you are correct in terms of uh, it, it not even being close or the narrative not matching the reality. Yeah. Like, I mean, when, when I've gone on my whole, you know, spiel about this in the past, I, I I've totally acknowledged the point that you just made, which is like, is it possible that, you know, five, seven years from now that a trend like what this Axios article is pointing out will continue and Tesla's market share has dramatically shrank compared to what it is today. Sure. That's possible, but I don't necessarily think, that's inevitable or even the most likely outcome. And, you know, I want to, I want to revisit the conversation when there's 
actually another manufacturer shipping EVs in any sort of volume. And we're still, you know, I, I think a long ways away from that. Fair. Uh, I'm not sure it's necessarily newsworthy, but I, I, we talked about a couple weeks, uh, sorry, a month ago, um, Bob Odenkirk has a new show on AMC. It's called Lucky Hank. I gave it an episode, did not care for it. I gave it a second episode, very much do not care for it. Uh, as uh, some people say, uh, give it a miss. Too bad. All right. Um, this is going to be you talking for a bit. So you had brought, what was the context of this? Was it actually, was there an article that like uh, a month ago that you, or did you just independently there, feel like? There was, there, no, there there was an, an article that um, was talking about the the general dysfunction of, of Disney's Star Wars strategy and that, that, that prompted a conversation on the show. Okay. So there were two things. So one, uh, there are apparently in, over the next four years or so, three new Star Wars movies in the pipeline which I think you felt was welcome news or that maybe things are a little bit more on track. But also I kind of want you to expand upon the, and there were, you kind of already did this in an offline online way or an online online way where there was a Vox article. Yeah. Where somebody who, uh, again, I, I, I read it, but I don't really have enough knowledge to know if the, if this, these are good takes or not, but somebody who seems like a fan and, and knows a lot about it made, made the point that, the Mandalorian has is kind of the microcosm of kind of where the state of the franchise it is and why that is maybe uh suggests that there's a um trouble brewing or that it's just it just kind of it might be in a bad place and he uh leads it with uh that Star Wars has a baby Yoda problem but you you have a more nuanced take or you have a lot of a lot of thoughts yeah so lots to break down here so first with the movies um a bit of real-time uh follow-up the they haven't put any timeline on the, on the three movies that were that were just announced these are coming out over the course of some unspecified number of years um so i guess even backing up a step further than that so star wars celebration i think is what it's called happened since the last time that we recorded it's kind of this this fan event that disney does once a year question mark once every other year something like that um and that event at a high level did something that um i feel like was a direct response to what we complained about on the show so may maybe we made this happen um where you know star wars and, and disney's strategy around star wars felt very aimless and kind of disjointed which has kind of led them to a place where, you know, since 2019, they've just been completely silent on on the movie front. And so the the most exciting thing about these three movies being announced, in addition to all three movies actually sounding really good, is just that there's now a much clearer direction about where Star Wars movies are going over the next number of years. And then they also actually at the the same fan event you know kind of put a timeline over the next couple of years for um the shows that are going to be coming out which most of which we already knew but it was kind of neat to see the actual like timing of all of that stuff so a, a lot more clarity in star wars's future which i'm i'm happy to see uh the, the second piece of this which is is more related to the um the tv show side of things although it'll probably spill over into the movie side of things once those come out too is um 
kind of this idea that, you know, the Marvel universe is, is probably like exhibit A of, which is this idea that like having this big connected universe where, you know, all of your different movies and your TV shows all kind of interconnect with each other and, you know, all kind of have their own stories, but also are part of a, a bigger story. And it's I'm actually stealing this a bit from a, a really good discussion that there was on uh, downstream a little while ago, where it it's a really it's a fine line between having all of that connectedness, you know, adding a bunch of value to to your movies and shows versus having that almost become like homework for your audiences, where they end up feeling like. If you know if they want to go see, you know, the latest Ant Man movie or something, well, pick any kind of Marvel movie or whatever. But some of what's happening in that movie is related to like the Loki Disney Plus show, and you didn't see that, and so then you go into that movie feeling like, well, am I like missing out on stuff here? Like, should I not even bother seeing it until I've watched the Loki stuff? And it's 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 it, it's a it, it's a tough problem because like if you are somebody who's just like kept up with everything it 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 is really additive um but if you're not it 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 leaves you feeling a little bit like you're kind of missing out and like you know this article that we'll link to in the in the, in the notes this vox article you know kind of takes a deep dive on Star Wars's problem with this and kind of specifically the you know the Mandalorian's problem with this and I I do agree a lot with it because it 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 mentions a lot of the kind of specific issues that I have with it which is like a, a lot of the Mandalorian's backstory is actually tied to um two different animated shows that have come out over the last decade the Clone Wars and Star Wars Rebels neither of which I've seen and all of the tie-ins that they've done into the Mandalorian aren't, you know, they're not mandatory. It's not like you can't follow what's going on without that. But but it, it really does add a lot of context, which which I end up picking up through, you know, reading articles and stuff like after the fact. But I'm not picking up on that stuff um, in real time. So like that's one piece of it. And then I think the second piece of this, which, which this article also goes into, is that the Mandalorian's also been kind of inconsistent with the way that it's it's handled this idea of being part of a bigger universe where the first couple of seasons part of what made them so unique is they were truly a kind of standalone story in a way that almost nothing else Star Wars has been <laughs> ever like almost everything with Star Wars comes back to like the main kind of, you know, Luke Skywalker storyline whereas at the first, you know, couple seasons of The Mandalorian well, the first the first season and the second season all the way up until the finale where spoiler alert Luke Skywalker literally shows up, you know, was was kind of its own thing. But then now with season 3, they've really kind of pivoted and made a good portion of this season kind of all about setting up um, Osaka, which is the next show that's coming out this summer, and it's also some of the stories started to turn into like almost like a prequel for the um, Disney trilogy that had, that had come out over the past 
few years because this Mandalorian takes place between the original trilogy and the and the newest trilogy. So anyway, um, all that was all a bit rambly, but um, it it is kind of cool. a it's 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 a tough it's a tough problem that I'm not totally sure what the right answer is to. Well, so <clears throat> a couple of clarifying questions, or or so in hoping to achieve more. C- so sorry, you're saying that the gold standard is Marvel, where it's everything. No, 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 no. I'm, things. I, no, I'm I'm saying I'm saying Marvel what? has. Marvel has this Star Wars problem like 10x. Well, no. So I, I guess, so is is the thrust of the argument for people who, is that they think it's too disjointed and some people are doing it better where everything is kind of like, and again, just like to get the point out there, that Marvel stuff is, it all fits together extremely well. That they're they're managing to like, like make, just pretend you have like a 30 piece puzzle and just every movie they make is a very expensive piece of the puzzle and it all fits together really well. Or are you saying that Marvel movies are to the point where none of it fits together and it's all just barely hanging together by a thread? No, it's... Because it sounded like, sound like it was the former, right? That it, that they're too good at compartmentalizing stuff and it all fits together, but it just it's not that creatively interesting. No, no, it, it's, not even, it's not even about that. It, it, the, a lot of this article is saying that Marvel and Star Wars are now increasingly having the same problem like so here i'll I'll read you a, a kind of a key quote here the marvel formula of turning every show and film into an explicit setup for the next show and film isn't yeah. even working for marvel anymore mm. and despite the hype around the upcoming film star wars fans are openly uneasy about the promise of more overlapping tie-ins so that's 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 kind of the that's my key thing with this is that having all of your different shows and movies interconnected with each other for again, like for somebody who's like into everything and is, is watching everything that that is, that is a, that's an additive thing that makes the experience of everything better. But well, so, so let me, let me, let me ask. So again, so the Mandalorian is a show that you're really excited about and you seem to enjoy despite its faults. So I guess like, does your, is your enjoyment or do you think the story is worse because it feels like they're trying to use this thing that people really enjoy as like a launching point or some type of like weird like dongle to, to put it into like Mac terms. Like they're using it as a thing to bridge two things together to make it a more cohesive thing other than telling the story that might more naturally occur if they didn't feel the need to make this the logical gateway for the thing that's about to happen. So I guess do you think that the actual series itself is worse off because of that? pressure or that meddling i would say so far no although i think it's still a bit of an open question depending on kind of what happens with like this osaka show that's coming out and maybe well, what what happens with like the next season of the mandalorian well so, so can you can you give like a 30 second explainer because i think one of your other points was that um was it the that the Mandalorian ended up being it or the a Boba Fett show? Either of them ended up being kind of like a weird half season for the other. Then that you, you, I think you thought that didn't help. That, Which direction was it? That, that that was just a weird creative decision. I almost I almost like I, I the the book of Boba Fett thing where the last three episodes just became the Mandalorian season two point five. Mm-hmm. That, I mean that is that is this right? It, that is having one show be connected with another show although that was a situation where like 
one show like not not only was it connected to another show it it like temporarily became that other show and that that was just a weird decision which i still suspect is is like covid production related like cuz there was this huge gap between season 2 and 3 of the mandalorian cuz they had actually done production on season 2 of the mandalorian before the pandemic started and they just had to do post-production and so that that released on time but then there was a pretty significant delay in filming season three so there was like a a, there was a huge gap a two plus year gap um, between seasons and so the book of boba fett i think became a way to kind of fill in that time so that's a little bit of a one-off kind of thing i i think um but like what I'm sort of more focused on is like so like the Mandalorian has it on both ends, like in the sense that a lot of its backstory comes from the two animated shows that I mentioned. Um, and actually, and, and well, and, the, and then the other side is that, you know, now it 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 seems like it's setting up, you know, future shows and is tying into, well, movies that have already come out, but which in the timeline take place in the future. Um, and so like for me, it, it, I actually see like both sides of it here where I've, I've watched all the star Wars shows. I've seen all the star Wars movies so that, you know, that stuff that it's sort of connecting into in the future part of the timeline. Like I follow all of that and like, oh yeah, okay. That's kind of neat. But then like a lot of the backstory that the Mandalorian leans on with these two animated shows that I haven't seen, like I do, there are times where I'm watching the show where I feel like I'm missing something or something just goes completely over my head. And then when I, you know, go read an episode recap and they, you know, they mention like, oh yeah, this, this thing or this character is from, you know, episode, you know, 12 season three of Star Wars Rebels or whatever. It's like, oh, okay. Um, and then, and then, you know, seeing that you're like, oh yeah, it does feel like maybe I'm, I'm like missing out on a little bit here. And I, you know, the, the again, the, the Mandalorian so far, like, I think does still largely stand on its own. Like, it, it's not, you don't need all this other stuff around it, but it, it, I, it it's walking that fine line. So I, I guess my, my final question to round us out as an outsider is that, do you feel that there's too much pressure on the people that make these shows? Like, do you, do you feel like the Mandalorian could be telling a more interesting story if it didn't have to worry about threading the needle on making the people that consume every piece of media about Star Wars and the casual, like, because that's the thing, they want to appeal to a lot of people, but it sounds like they are also kind of incorporating every bit of the franchise into it, possibly to its detriment. So I, I guess, like, do you think that for the specific show that you like, that they're telling the best story or the most like coherent story they can as a self-contained thing? Or is that franchise pressure maybe creating a worse product? It's, it's somewhere in between those two, those two um, kind of ends, ends of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think, I think there are parts of how the Mandalorians connected into the bigger Star Wars universe. Like the, the, the whole Luke Skywalker thing at the end of season two, was, it was really awesome. Like the way they did that was, was really neat and, and added a lot to the story. Bringing in Boba Fett and then not only bringing him into, he came into season two of the Mandalorian, like not only bringing him in there, but then doing this whole spinoff thing with him. 
the show probably would would have been better off without that. Um. Mm. So, and then it's it's a little bit it's still a little bit TBD where they're gonna go with um what because it's it's still a little unclear exactly like how much this season is going to tie like so the season three just ended of the mandalorian last week and it's a little unclear how much of what happened there is going to tie into future um shows in particular well actually one thing that and this isn't this isn't very spoilery like in, in the finale last week there was a lot of speculation that it was it was going to more explicitly set up events that were going to likely then um, have you know kind of be carried forward in Osaka, and none of that really happened. They actually did keep the finale being largely kind of self-contained. So yeah, that that's why it feels like all of this is a little bit up in the air. Well, that's a good movie. <clears throat> that is okay, that, that is a good that is a good movie. You're right. No, I re- I rewatched it about three months ago. Mm, does it, it not, doesn't does hold, not hold it doesn't up? Hold no, up. That's, that's too bad. No, and I but a movie that does hold up, Michael Clayton. That's 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 a good uh, Clooney movie. Yeah. Um, um, I guess maybe this so like the kind of maybe the last point here, and maybe maybe potentially a red flag, potentially cool. It's hard to say. Is that one of the three movies they, um announced um so there's there well so backing up a a second there's this guy dave fioni i think is his name he's kind of um him and john favreau are like the two masterminds behind like all the all well not andor but all the other star wars shows that have been coming out on on disney plus so you know mandalorian the book of boba fett and osaka which is about to come out and then um, Fioni is the the guy who did the two animated shows that I that I mentioned, and he's going to be the um, I think writer and director of one of the three movies that they announced, and and the movie is going to be this sort of like culmination event that's that's going to kind of like tie the Mandalorian, Osaka, and the Book of Boba Fett kind of all together, like in some kind of big, you know, kind of like ending event or something um, similar to like, that's kind of how the Marvel movies work is like, they have these phases where like a bunch of movies come out and then they all kind of lead up to like a big climactic finale. And then like the next phase starts. Um, and that, that's kind of what it seems like they're doing here. So it, it, that kind of on paper seems like they're doubling down on this idea that, you know, these three shows are going to become increasingly heavily connected to each other. And then that's all going to then lead to this movie, which, you know, you're going to probably have wanted to, you know, see all of the shows in order to then, you know, get the, the most out of that movie. Um, which, which like for me is fine. Cause like I plan on watching all this stuff and like, so I'm excited about it, but I like, I, but I do see the other side of it. And I even experienced the other side of it with the Mandalorian and, and these animated shows that part of what the Mandalorian, you know, takes its story from, like, I see the other side of it where if you haven't, you know, watched all this stuff, it just starts to feel a little more kind of homeworky. Like e- even with, so Osaka, this show that, that I've mentioned, you know, a million times now that's coming out this summer i haven't i'm you know i'm not staying away from spoilers for the most part but like what i have read about the show is it seems like it's going to draw like even more heavily than the mandalorian has from um star wars rebels in particular 
And so like I'm I'm sitting here thinking like, well, geez, do I like should I go like go back and like watch that stuff like before this this show comes out? Um and so that's where the part of that's that's the part of it that then starts to feel like a homework assignment as opposed to just being an additive experience to to what you're watching. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then rounding this out is actually uh, an unrelated thing, but that you don't know is related. So there was a show called Andor. Andor. Yeah, Andor. Yeah, that, that's the other okay. other big Star Wars show that kind of well, not kind of like totally stands on its own from like everything else that's come out on Disney Plus. Is there also a place called Endor, or are those the same thing? I'm just mispronouncing the second one. Uh, no, so Andor is a person. Cat, cat. Well, it's his, actually it's his last name, Cassian Andor. And then there's Endor, which there's is the foresty planet that's that's like that that's basically the the redwood forest here in the Bay Area. Is that where the the sleeping bags live? The 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 Ewoks, you mean? Yes. No, the ones that Han gets inside and, and no, uses, no, 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 uses, that, slices off. up as uses. No, no, that that's okay. Different, different planet, different movie. Hmm. Okay. We'll never see any of them. But so the reason I bring this up, so a show that you refuse to watch, uh, Succession, has an amazing score and soundtrack uh, by a um, uh, composer. I, I forget that. Yeah, composer uh, Nicholas Bertel. And I did not know that the, uh, apparently, so apparently people really like this Andor show or thought it was very, very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, uh, the music uh, was composed by him too. There you so go. So another reason for you to watch Succession. Nice. I like that. Yeah. All right, a couple of quickies in terms of follow-up because uh, we're trying to avoid talking about Apple stuff. So you put this in here, and I do not know if theblock.co is a reputable news source or not. Never heard of it. But I do bring the, I do find this very funny because uh, Tom Brady sucks. And apparently, so, Taylor, so FTX was the crypto exchange that kind of just threw money at celebrities to get them to be in ads and endorse their... Uh, sorry, it's not controversial. Their fraudulent exchange. Um, and that included people like uh, Tom Brady, Giselle Bündchen, uh, Larry David, uh, uh, Shaquille O'Neal, famous from his Epson printer ads, uh, and also being on TNT's NBA program or whatever. Um, but Taylor Swift apparently, uh, accor- and again, this is this is hearsay, or this this is based off of uh, something that the person who is suing Tom Brady and Shaq has said, is that Taylor Swift. Uh, did her due diligence when she was being courted to uh, be the face of FTX or be in ads. And the part that I appreciate is that uh, this quote, and again, no idea if it's accurate, but the quote is, uh, the one person I found that did uh, that did that was Taylor Swift. In her discovery, Taylor Swift actually asked them, can you tell me that these are not unregulated securities? I don't know if Taylor Swift actually literally said that or if that's something that she would say, but if so, that's awesome. Uh, but yeah, th- this is funny, and also fuck Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, Tom Brady sucks. Is is he is he the one who unretired like twice? Uh, just but he's just now fully once, retired, but but he's but now he's he's he, he's done. Correct. Yeah. Oh, thank God. All right. And he's from he's from Dunkin' Donuts country, right? No, well he he played f- for Dunkin' Donuts country, but no, he's he's from out here. He's from the the Bay Area. Ugh. Uh, maybe he, he can also go to Las Vegas. All right. Uh, uh, that, that, was, that was a rumor for a while, actually. No, I just mean he should live there. 
No, 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 not play for the team. I, I do not think would Tom Brady ever play for the Raiders? I think you're thinking of the A's. We'll get there. Uh, this Twitter blue thing is really funny. We don't need to talk about it, but it's it's, it's just kind of hilarious that over two weeks are you are you at I, I understand you're off twitter and i've been off twitter for a long time we've we've i've been very clear about my stance that the only engagement that i have with twitter is going to twitter.com slash darth once every two weeks and it's it's a it's a good time but are you familiar at all with the twitter blue stuff no well i mean like kind of like that that's their 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 subscription thing right so in in the old days before elmo bought it twitter blue was a thing that you could pay like five dollars a month and you got something for it I think you got like enhanced, like there wasn't actually any value to it. It was, it was a thing where Twitter was like, Hey, we want to do something other than advertising and kind of like old Twitter. They always had a problem with actually like executing on product ideas and weren't, weren't very good with it. And that was the whole thing, which is that when Elmo thought about abandoning the idea, well, okay, I've destroyed the brand and nobody wants to advertise here because I'm elevating the voices of white supremacists and terrible people. And we're eliminating content moderation. He's like, Hey, the keys to it is subscriptions. So they introduced this Twitter blue thing where its launch coincides with the fact that they're like, hey, we're removing the the old verified blue checkmark system was corrupt and we're removing all of these legacy blue checkmarks. And now if you pay for this $8 Twitter blue thing, uh, you get a checkmark for free and you it's no longer for the elites. But now every, like the discourse on Twitter has shifted where having a blue checkmark is now like badge of shame because you're just a schmuck that wanted to give elon musk eight dollars it's 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 very funny but the only reason i bring this up is that and there's a link that i did not put in the show notes where uh apparently i did not know this but lebron james is like a famously frugal person did not know that he there was a there was a quote or there's like a twitter video like of an old interview from like 2014 where he was talking to one of his um team member teammates and he's like when i go to a different country i don't pay for roaming or something it was it was it was very funny and it was it was kind of humbling for somebody who is worth hundreds of millions of dollars if not more but anyway he uh if uh, a couple months ago said i'm not fucking paying for this blue check mark thing and then uh elmo is now saying that he uh bought it on behalf of lebron james and it, and, it, and it's also dumb and the twitter discourse just keeps getting dumber but LeBron James is uh, a funny element of that. All right. Bay Area Sports, uh, the A's are probably going to Las Vegas recently. So who are the, are the Golden Knights an expansion team? Yes. Or did they lose a team from, did they steal a team from somewhere else? No. Okay. But the Raiders did move to Las Vegas. Correct. Um, and it's an interesting story. I, I find the discourse, it's gotten more complicated recently. I, I really wanted it to be a clear-cut case of the city of Oakland was playing too much hardball about the Howard's Terminal um, development. But I, 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 I don't know enough about the owners and the ownership group of the A's to say that specifically. But it, it, it's, it's a weirder situation now. But it is kind of tricky that the, uh, the city of Oakland has lost three major sports teams in like the last five years and that's yeah kind of a shame kind of interesting though but i i do think the jacqueline square powered terminal could have been a very interesting uh development opportunity for the city and the a's group was not asking for 
what's what's the famous football example recently of them like of there was like one team that very much leaned on city governments to give them the like tax-free loans and like carve-outs to build a stadium i mean, there, I mean there's which, been a been a million examples of those yeah. but but yeah the, the a's the 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 new waterfront oakland uh hypothetical uh baseball stadium was not one of those and the city was like many kind of like progressive-ish california things was like oh we need this to be mixed use this and that and, and market rate housing and a lot of other stuff which they played ball with, but it kept still, it, it just continued to get stymied for like the past two years. And all of a sudden everybody's like, oh, what, what happened? But then, so th- I don't think the story is as clear cut as that, but I do find that kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. But it is, it is a loss for the Bay Area in general. And also Las Vegas sucks. So that's, that sucks for the A's too. <laughs> but seriously, Las Vegas is bad. All right. And then the Giants, they're having a bad year. It's going to be a very bad year, but I'm looking forward to actually. Well, NL West, how how bad is it right now? Oh, actually, no, we're 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 on a terror. It's it, it, a couple a week ago it, we were six and thirteen. We're up to ten and thirteen, so we're on, we're on a hot streak. But yeah, it's not going to be a good year for the Giants. It is not an even year. Yeah, they were been... they were predicted to be like one of the worst teams I think coming into the year. So oh, totally, yeah. I so I'm just I'm just waiting for the new season shine to come off so that way i can go back to getting my eight dollar stub hub tickets and just kind of wander the park and <laughs> say hi to the seagulls so mm-hmm. all right let's 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 throw you one you have a new addition to your home office and this is this is a long time coming you oh yeah to chair yeah so we we previously had um a pottery burn chair a west end chair one of those that was that was definitely more for the aesthetics than for the comfort or ergonomics which which made sense at the time that we bought it given that you know it was this, a home office that was rarely used and it, now it's always used. it's been perpetually like constantly used for like the past three years now um and so yeah, so we we finally um finally got a um a Herman Miller chair Herman Miller chair, which is like was what everybody kind of gets for their home office setup. Um I'll I'll send you a, a, a link and I'll I'll put it in the the thing. We got the um Verus chair, Verus chair. Um not quite sure how to pronounce this. Um, yes, it's silent. Oh. I'm kidding. <laughs> I would have believed you. Um, <laughs> and, you know, we, we were very lucky and, and got it through a, um, like a big, you know, like corporate discount. And so we, we ended up, you know, actually not, not paying very much at all for the chair, um, which full price, it's like 800 ish dollars, kind of depending on how you configure it, which, um, if we had paid eight hundred dollars for this chair, I would be really, really disappointed. Um, but for the price that we paid, which was a fraction of that, it's it's fine. It's better than what we had before. Sounds like you're underwhelmed, though. So, like, sounds like you might have. Hmm. You you have, you have regrets, or or you're just kind of underwhelmed. Uh, I mean, I mean, not, again, not regrets because of the the price that we got it for. But yeah, un- underwhelmed for for sure. Yeah, that's where I I don't know this model. It does look 
a little comfort wise, possibly unremarkable. But um, yeah, what what color what what colorway did you get or whatever the term is? Uh, we got um, dark carbon, I think. Like the darker, is that, darker is that space gray? Basically, yeah, basically. Um, and you know, also it's got like I guess like probably all of these chairs do. It's got like eighteen thousand different adjustments, so it's possible that. I just need to dial some of that stuff in and I'll get more used to it. But um, yeah, un- under underwhelmed is, is probably the best way to describe it so far. Mm. Looking at the product page, this uh, white chair with the maroon seat. That's a, that's a cute look. Hmm. Eh, interesting. Well, glad, glad you, glad you have something more comfortable to work on, but yeah. Yeah, de- definitely, definitely an improvement over, um, what we had before no no doubt about that yeah all right two other media quickies uh netflix is officially ended its uh dvd service uh this is only remarkable because people remember um let me look at the date on this but this was in oh man god it makes you feel old in 2011 god this is a long time ago uh netflix this is back in the day when it was called Netflix Watch Instant, uh, when they were making their streaming oh, service. Yeah, yeah, uh, they had a thing where they wanted to separate into two separate companies, and they renamed the DVD by mail side of it Quickster, spelled Q W I K S T E R, and people got really mad about it. I mean, sure, whatever. I mean, I. I mean, I feel like it was one of those things where internet controversies were, were so much more pure and easy back in, in 2011, but like, it, it was, it was whatever. Like if you're somebody who still wanted the DVD by mail, that was, you were also, you were, you were kind of already a little bit of an odd duck or whatever the term is, but yeah, it's, it is finally dead. So 12 years later, when they were thinking of that spinoff, uh, Twitter will, or Twitter, Netflix will ne- Eh, maybe that is an avenue that uh, Elon can take up. Uh, but no, Netflix will no longer send you discs in the mail. I did hear from a couple people, or, or I read a couple people online that this was actually, so it had two, it had a few interesting customer segments. If you were somebody with poor internet, it was still nice to get high quality media by mail. Also, if you're somebody who prized video quality overall else, they had apparently a very good selection of Blu-rays, which neat um but yeah you have any thoughts the thing that really stands out to me is how much bigger netflix has gotten so this new york times article calls out that at its peak in around 2010 the the dvd service had 20 million subscribers and netflix today has 232 million subscribers so just the the scale that you know streaming has unlocked for them is is it i mean just just amazing yeah actually on that note can i find it it, it also the, the, the 20 million number two also kind of is another reminder of something that i think is helpful for us to be reminded of frequently which is that i remember at the time being a dvd subscriber from netflix like it just like everybody had that of course but no, it was only 20, 20 million people. Like that's not 
not everybody. So just a, a mm. reminder of the the bubble that people like us live in. I was early. Um, but yeah, th- there was another thing with Nielsen. So apparently, so Netflix accounts for between seven and eight percent of all TV viewing every single month, and uh, seventy to eighty percent of the top ten TV shows in the U.S. every week are on Netflix. And also, I don't have a link or a data point for this, but also, I think there was something that said that Netflix is in by viewing hours bigger than every streaming competitor combined. So when everybody talks about the Netflix is dead and Apple TV is the new thing and Max this and that, and everybody seems to want to like write off Netflix and hate Netflix, but they, I'm not going to cancel my subscription and I think people still find a lot of value in it. I don't know. People, people find the market leader really boring and writing and talking about how the market leader continues to be the market leader is really boring and so having a an angle to a story that makes it seem like they're on the on the down side is 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 going to be more interesting and and get more clicks i mean also see tesla um so that's very that's very sage and uh uh level-headed perspective you're a regular peter kafka Um, I mean, um, the, the other thing that's so, I mean, this is certainly not an original thought, but just this talk about Netflix reminds me um, about this. Like, I mean, Netflix is sort of like the best example of a company that, as I think you would describe it, you know, skates to where the puck is going. Like they were early with the kind of the shift to streaming. They were early with the shift to original content. Like they were really smart to see that physical media was going to be on its way out and that streaming was going to happen. And it, it happened way, way faster than I would have guessed that it was going to happen. I'm sure like there's very early episodes of this show where we were talking about streaming being like this, you know, 10 year long kind of transition. And I mean, it happened really fast. Well, to put it in perspective, do you have anything in your home that can play a disc? Well, actually, no, you have game consoles. I I have a, I have an Xbox, but I mean that Xbox I bought, I don't even know how many years ago at this point. Like I haven't bought anything new in the last, I mean, since, since whenever I bought that Xbox that that's capable of playing a DVD. Um, yeah, I, I, in my house, other than like a PowerBook G4 that I have for like my Mac museum, but not actually like functional. I have, I don't think I've had anything that has a disc slot in like a home theater context in over a decade. The last thing I may have had was a Mac Mini that I got rid of like four years ago. Like, yeah, discs are, yeah, it it's it's surprising how quickly just streaming and everything became the default. Where just buying a physical disc, it just became entirely unimaginable. Yeah, like, and, does, and Best, it, does Best Buy still have like a, a place where you can buy DVDs? It, prob- I haven't been to Best prob- Buy in a while. Prob- probably, yeah. It's probably much smaller than it used to be. I, I assume so. Um, yeah. And then, you know, similarly, like their shift towards a bigger focus on original content was also super, super smart because in a a relatively short period of time, all media companies kind of decided that they wanted to kind of bring all their content in-house and and produce their own original content for their own streaming service. So, I mean, some, some of which is now being unwound a little bit, but, um, 
Yeah, that last that last addendum is is important. Yeah, but but nevertheless, the point stands that Netflix was super super smart to realize early on with the streaming thing that being totally reliant on other people's content was not going to be a long term successful strategy. Speaking of being reliant on other people's content, YouTube has debuted the pricing for its Sunday ticket deal. So depending on whether or not you buy during the pre-sale which when does the football season start in november uh september oh okay that's it's it's mm. i do appreciate that the summer is kind of other than being able to ignore the nfl draft it's an it's a nice quiet season where you don't have to, you don't have to hear about tim tebow or whatever um so if you buy if you're a youtube subscribe if okay so if you're a YouTube TV subscriber and you buy during the pre-sale, it's $249 for the season. If you also want Red Zone, which I already thought was included on YouTube TV, but apparently is not, it's $289. It's $350 if you miss, miss the pre-sale. Otherwise, it's $390 if you also want Red Zone. That's And, the, and the, those are all the prices if you have YouTube TV. If you don't, it's between $350 and $490. That's a lot of money. I don't know what it costs with DirecTV. And also if you, amortization is the wrong word, but if you spread this out over the five months that the season is, um, like, I guess that's more reasonable. Like people, like somebody, somebody had a, a thing on Twitter about, um, if you think of it, like you live outside the, Bay Area and you want to watch a Niners game, would you pay $15 a game? Like, I guess they're just dividing $289 by 20. I can kind of see that, but this this also just seems really pricey. Yeah, I mean, the, the Verge article actually calls out what the DirecTV pricing was the most recent year that they had it, and it's 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 very it's very similar to what Google's doing. So none of none of this is super surprising. I mean, the answer here is doing what one of the things that this article calls out which is exactly what i do is you pay 10.99 a month to have red zone there's like a little sports add-on thing you can add on a youtube tv at in this this is the way that most cable bundles work as well you just add red zone for the three four months that football season's going and then you cancel it when the season's over so you end up paying you know 40 50 bucks for the season and you get red zone which is the best way to watch football anyway so I mean that that's that's the answer. Unless unless you're somebody who's a you know a, a huge fan of a team and you no longer live in that city, like th- that that's the one use case that makes sense to me for something like um something like this. I mean that that's kind of like with, you know with me being a Lakers fan and no longer living in Southern California, like you know I can get something like NBA League Pass, which allows me to see their games. You know being not from you know not in the la area anymore so like i I, like i get that but i don't do that with the lakers because so many of their games are on national tv anyway which which i you know obviously do get and the the, the same is true with football too like if you're if you're a fan of a popular team like they're going to be on so many primetime games and stuff that even if you don't have something like this you're going to end up being able to see a lot of their games so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah this, this whole thing's not for me, and I don't think it's for most people. But, you know, it's gotten Google to talk about YouTube TV way more than they otherwise would have. So, you know, probably 
probably what they're looking to get out of this deal. Yeah. Maybe one day they can make the YouTube TV app better. Uh, um, yeah, let, let's hope. I, I know TiVo is dead, but I just, I just wish there was a, like if the, it, it is, there's no concept on YouTube TV of just a guide that isn't. I think they're adding bad. That. I think they're adding that. It's been around for five years. Just show me what's on right now. Yeah, I think they're 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 finally adding something like that. Yeah. All right. Uh, how are we doing? Okay. So let's we, let's I think quickly. We got to. Yeah, yeah, HBO think Max. We we, we, we got to table that because that's going to be a long. I think that's going to be a long discussion, and it's not coming okay. out until May twenty third. I think so. We've got we've got another well at least one more episode to talk about it before then. So you're saying it's the one to watch. <laughs> That is exactly what I'm saying. Great tagline, stupid name. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Apple stuff. I actually don't care about any of that. Well, we so can, I think we we can we can skip over that stuff too. Unless no, no, no. So, so well, two 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 quickies. So on this one, this actually is a, uh, apropos of nothing. So Apple apparently wants to be a bank. They 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 heard banking is hot right now, and they decided like. They're trying to be Wealthfront, I guess. This part is interesting only because so so Apple Card is a product that they launched. And is it even available in Europe yet, or is it still just U.S. only? I think it's just U.S. only. Yeah. So in partnership with Goldman Sachs, they introduced a credit card that you can subscribe through the wallet app. You have to be an iPhone user to have it. Um, and kind of quietly this past month, they introduced um, a savings account uh, for your Apple Cash and anything else you want to deposit in it. Uh, but as FDIC insured, I think for a quarter of a million dollars, um, and it has an interest rate of four point one five percent, which is interesting. So I, I don't find this that revolutionary because I mean th- there are different companies like you. So Wealthfront is one that I use. There's also um, Marcus from Goldman Sachs. There's a few others that do actually, and I think Ally Bank also offers a competitive interest rate. But that's kind of, I think the Apple card is dumb, but I think this is actually kind of interesting and a way to force um, banks to actually offer competitive savings rates. Like if, if you had to guess, what do you think the interest rate that Bank of America will pay you on deposits right now? Uh, I, I, I don't know, although, although this topic is, is top of mind because the, the lady friend and I actually just opened a, a savings account like at a, at a local bank here um, that was offering a, a much higher interest rate than like what we were seeing from the, the bigger banks. And I, so I think, uh, I, I think that's kind of the strategy is you go to a, a smaller kind of regional bank and they typically offer more competitive stuff. What interest rate? Uh, that's not terribly proprietary. Yeah, I, I guess not. Five um, percent. Oh, where? Okay, I, I thought the four point three that Wealthfront was offering was amazing. Hmm. Uh, well, yeah, but so, but uh, both Chase and Bank of America. I looked it up. If you were, uh, if you have under a million dollars, they will uh, give you point zero two percent. Oof, yeah, that's that's pretty really good, right? right yeah wait oh i misplaced the decimal point that's actually mm. trash 
Uh, I do find that interesting because that's one thing where in, in a high interest rate environment, it, it is, is kind of absurd that uh, a lot of traditional banks uh, can continue to offer that. And I do, um, it, it's not a business Apple should be in and it's definitely mission creep, uh, but it's, well, it's kind of interesting. And the only other thing that I thought was kind of pressing about the Apple thing was uh, the pandemic pulled forward a ton of computer upgrades and um, sales were through the roof on top of chip shortages and all that other kind of stuff. But uh, what period was this for? So first quarter of 2023, um, computer sales dropped precipitously across the entire industry but apple specifically uh down 40 percent in terms of unit shipments and sales for max interesting not, yeah not, i mean not unheard I, of, but interesting i'm certainly I'm, I'm definitely the furthest thing from some kind of you know investment expert or macroeconomic expert I mean, see my see my grade in that macroeconomic class that you and I were in together in college. Like, that's not definitely not my forte. But I I continue to just be shocked by the surprise of some of this pandemic era stuff kind of reverting back to the mean. Like that that just I don't know. It just it seems like a bunch of really smart people assumed that sales trends that we saw early in the pandemic were like just going to kind of continue forever i don't and, think and that's like, i don't think that's true I, I i think it's just that's to almost have your sales year over year that's an extremely precipitous drop but i mean i i do think well I mean, but that's kind of the same people that if you look at like uh the uh the three-year chart for plton or whatever like the people who thought the world was going to change like that's that's I was a little bit audacious, but like I, your 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 unit shipments dropping by basically half a year over year. That's 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 a lot. Like people are not going to all of a sudden continue to be buying new computers every twelve months, or like the fact that people work from home or kids needed new computers for school. Like that obviously it pulled forward so much demand, and in Apple's case, the Apple Silicon transition, they finally had computers that were great well, which well, for a, lo- a, a very long time they had computers that were not great that's that's a lot but also i mean it, it's it's a notable drop that it, that is worthy of thinking about i'm not saying i'm not saying that this says anything about the current product lineup or that somehow the fact that the macbook air doesn't come in a 15 inch model somehow why apple is flailing and why whatever but yeah 40 percent drop is interesting yeah, but I, I don't know. I feel like you answered your own question. Like between sales getting pulled forward as a result of the pandemic, the shift to Apple Silicon and finally having Macs that were worth buying, and then now with, you know, supply chain stuff still being a little bit funky. I feel like mm. you could you you combine all that and I I I guess I don't really see how this is super surprising. Well, I I think Tim's probably not happy about it. Well, I mean, I mean sure nobody'd be happy about it, but to to describe it as being this like shocking thing like i i don't know i don't i don't that i don't see i wouldn't say shocking i would say surprising but yeah in the end i just think most of this is related to apple choosing not to make a netbook (laughs) remember (laughs) that a lot of it a lot of it comes down to that for sure 
Uh, anyway. All right. Um, I think that's it. You got a chef special this week? I don't. And I, I feel like I'm realizing something with, with our What's chef that? special discussions, which is that this is like the most stable and boring kind of like tech setup I maybe I've ever had. Like, I, mm. I just don't, I don't really, I don't really buy a lot of different gadgets and stuff anymore, which is, I mean, just a result of being uh. old, I guess now, but, um, yeah, so I, you know, it, it limits the amount of interesting things to, to talk about in this segment. I, I mean, I know we do a bunch of non-tech stuff here too, but, um, yeah, I, I, I really, I got, I got nothing. Okay. The, 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 the chef special listeners can go back and, and but please juice the listenership numbers. Uh, you, you, you still buy things. I, I, uh, I do. I, you, I do for sure. Uh, but, but I do, I, I do take your point. Like, I do not think I will like until like, I hope one day Apple makes a monitor. Like I, I, I still hate the studio display. It's, it's not, it's not a good monitor and I'm, it's, it's, it's agreed just how much it costs, but no, this Mac studio will never get replaced. Like it's, it's great. And I have no desire. Like everything in my tech life is fairly other than what is it? The Ryan principle, the Ryan doctrine, other than the fact that I'm going to replace my phone every year, Mm -hmm. I do. Other than the fact that I replaced my camera body, uh, a month ago, we'll get back to that on another episode. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't see myself uh, wanting or looking to change anything. Um, technology wise anytime soon i guess the one the one maybe honorable mention i'll throw out there for a chef special which is actually something that's that's coming up which is why it doesn't really fit the chef special criteria is um i'm i'm going on a flight for the first time at the end of this week um in three and a half years so excited about that air travel who knew Mm. go anywhere interesting I just just Southern California, hmm. uh, Santa Ana, L.A. or San Diego, uh, LAX this time. Yeah, ooh, mm-hmm. luxurious. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Three three and a half years. December twenty nineteen was the last time that um, I've been on a plane. Although this upcoming trip will not break another streak that I have, which is I've I've. Um, not left the state of California since November 2019. <laughs> so that streak will continue for for a little while here. Uh is your pre-check and global entry still unexpired? Uh yeah, actually um I needed to um renew my passport. Um I guess I did that last year and so we got got the the global entry TSA pre-check thing kind of renewed then too. Yeah, so that, that's uh, that's all set, or at least you know, hope it's all set. It's been a long, been a while. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you do not have to take out your liquids, but you do have to uh, wear your shoes on your hands. Oh. Mm. Anyway, oh, that, that, um, that's the thing, right? You don't you don't take your liquids out anymore. Wait, are you joking? I, I, the shoes on the hands was a, was a joke, but oh, no, that's I, the whole. Well, I know, I know that. But. Well, no, that's literally the whole point of pre-check is that you don't you don't have to take out like you don't take anything out. You leave your shoes like you. Oh, I guess yeah. Okay, I, I was thinking of like I, I remember like lap, laptops. You didn't have to take out, but hey, I guess you're right. You didn't have to take liquids out either. Again, yeah. it's been oh. it's been three and a half years. I, I don't don't remember these things. 
uh, fly, flying to Nashville for the first time uh, in actually maybe the first time ever I got the uh, flagged for the dumb secondary screening. I was pissed. Uh, I've, anyway. I've, yeah, I've had that happen. And yeah, it's not, it's not fun. No, the guy, the guy literally said, oh, you've been randomly selected, but yeah. I was like, mm-hmm. and I was like, but no, but that was just like, and he, but he said it in like this like resigned way. I was like, it's like, it's, it's, well, I mean, they don't, they don't, it's 1130 do it. at yeah. night. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I don't have a chef special, but I do have one final mini topic that I completely forgot about, and will be old news by next week. Are you bummed about Bed Bath and Beyond going to the Beyond? Um. I mean, yeah. I I can't say it was a store that I frequented a ton or that I I have notable memories of. But I mean, yeah, sure. It was it was it was a solid a solid option for certain things. Well, I mean, it, it also, it was just so much in the cultural zeitgeist and, and kind of like iconic mm. for the 20% off. Like it, that, that, that is, again, somebody had a joke on Reddit or something where about that, will those be the AOL CDs of like the 2010s? Maybe. But I just kind of don't know what's going to fit that like market niche. Because like Target does not offer enough selection and like to fill the gap and they like no bed bath and beyond before like their pivot were kind of like they had like for home good stuff like were the right pick like i don't know like i I went there a lot i don't know um are you familiar with why they failed no i I, i've kind of wanted to look into the into the details of yeah what exactly has happened there but i haven't yet no i mean the 30 second summary of it is that they well one had some like late to the game e-commerce stuff but also they had like so in in my the reason why i liked them before was that they had they had access to name brands and you had like a good selection of things like so they were always my go-to where i need the oxo version of some random thing and i need it same day I can go there and get it. And they carried Breville stuff and they had, they had all the good things. And sometimes you could game the system a little bit and find a way to make the coupon work on Breville things. And it was great. But then in 2019 or 2020, like they got a new CEO and he was like, well, Hey, our new thing is store brands. So we are, we are going to make all in-house brands and we're going to stop carrying the stuff that everybody likes. And we're going to make cheap knockoffs of it that have higher profit margins and people are just going to deal with it. And then nobody bought it. And then they tried to bring back the name brands, but they no longer had enough money to buy inventory. So they couldn't afford to carry the name brand stuff. So then there was just like this death spiral. And now Bed Bath & Beyond is just in the beyond. Hmm. Yeah, sucks. I don't know know where else you can get this stuff. Because I don't, I, I, I don't know why, but I just don't want to buy everything on Amazon. Well, I mean, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not a moral thing, but I, I don't like it. Well, I mean, we could, we could do a whole episode on this, but like the, the, how to describe it, like unreliability of Amazon is tough. Oh, no, like I, I try, oh my God. Okay. So hold on. So let's, we're, we're going to put a pin in that. We're good. Like about why shopping on Amazon these days sucks. But I try to not, if it doesn't say shipped and sold by Amazon, I don't want to deal with it. Oh, a hundred percent. And one, and the fact that. I mean that information is available, but you kind of have to look for it. And yeah, certain products are randomly like not in that category. It it yeah makes shopping on Amazon like 
shopping at Target or somewhere like that, there's a certain level of quality you kind of can just assume given that that product is in a Target store. But on Amazon, it, it's the it's the absolute wild west. Well, that's the thing. What like with with electronics and like photo stuff. Like that's why even though I like I saw it charge tax and I'm not getting the five percent back at Amazon. Like I will always go to B and H because I know that I'm not getting a get like a brick in a box. Like and it's going to be like the actual legit thing I'm ordering. Like Amazon is just a nightmare with that. Yep. Anyway, that's my show special. Uh, a, <laughs> a, a beloved retailer going out of business. I I don't know where I was going with that, but that's what you get. <laughs>